to the Lions of Duckies podcast. It's us, Liam and Joe. I, I'm, I'm Joe. Yay, He's Liam. top billing. Yeah. Top billing. The, the coup is complete. I'm officially the co-host. Oh, <laughs> sorry about it. It's all right. It was out. It, it's been a good four years. You know, I had a solid term. I was going to run you for did? re-election. And, um, oh, that's that's a shame. Unfortunately, uh, Shocks is standing by to uh, depose yeah, you. Unfortunately, due to the scandal of it being a gun being held to my back, I will retire to an unnamed island, only to return in like five years when the donkey color revolution comes. Triumphantly. Yeah. Um, somehow I, I probably own... Kasabian now. Kasabian tomorrow. Kasabian always. <laughs> Sounds grim. Yeah, yeah, I, I know, I know, bud, but yeah, this whole thing is kind of grim. So what are we going to do? You know what I mean? You know, Liam, speaking of grim, how do you feel about adventurers? Uh, I'm going to tell you, uh, as as someone who who uh, has done a, a fair bit of adventuring in my life, which basically means I get really hammered and then I sober up and I'm like, let's drive somewhere dumb. I mean, that's that's pretty much the same thing at uh, Lewis and Clark. Yeah, I I just I don't want to do spoilers, but I don't usually end up at Disappointment Bay, Antarctica. Oh, boy. <laughs> if that is a that is a hell of a name. I will say that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think there's a I think there's a Disappointment Bay in the Pacific Northwest, if I if I remember correctly, too. Um, or something similarly named. And to be fair, if you sailed across the world to discover Antarctica and you're just like, yep, that's a lot of ice, you'd probably be disappointed. Oh, boy. Seals. Millions. We of did them. it, boys. We found cold. We, we are. Well, soon we will mate with the seals. And in time, their women will fall in love with ours and we'll be ready to go. Oh, no. Uh, somehow that's worse than clubbing them. Yeah, don't do seal fucking <laughs> is, is my advice. Hot podcast take. Do not fuck the seals. <laughs> don't fuck the sales now liam what if i told you once upon a time america launched a military expedition to discover what if the world was hollow only for it to be canceled what? and then re-greenlit because of political favors and also to explore the concept of the flat earth only for it to dissolve into the ravings of an abusive paranoid man man who refused to allow his crew to go home uh- <laughs> Kind of at a loss for words, actually. There's layers to this. There's layers to this one. Yeah, I'm gonna need some sort of flow chart here. <laughs> uh, it's gonna require you to I don't I don't know huff a lot of mercury or something to get you in the level. Way ahead of you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do it. To get on ah, the level, I'm mad as a hatter. Let's to go. get on the level of like half the people involved here. You have to remember that they they are riddled with parasites and mercury. We've all been huffing glue, and they're on. Uh, they're 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 off that uh, that piss whiskey. Yeah, uh, yeah. They're gone off that piss they, whiskey. They've graduated to just piss. Uh, they've weaned themselves off the whiskey. Mmm, fermented piss. It's like methadone. Um, now, first we. All right. Admittedly, this one is very weird, um, and it requires a bit of backstory to get going. So bear with me. So just one second. I. Uh, so I have the Wikipedia article up as I always do because Joe never sends me scripts. I refuse. Uh, this is called this is called the United States Exploring Expedition. Yes, and it is euphemistically what, referred what, to as the that. USXX, which sounds what, like an why extreme call, porn or something. Why did you something? name it twice? It's like the Goo Goo Dolls. Uh, well, I feel like if you have to specify that you're exploring on your expedition, we're gonna get into some like weird shit, like Nazi Hollow Moon. Iron Iron Sky shit. I counter with the fact that if you named your band the Goo Dolls, it sounds disgusting. Goo Goo Dolls. Yeah. 
Yeah, but if you goo if you dolls. just called it the goo dolls, it it makes it so much worse. Coming soon to <laughs> lionslipbydonkeystore.com, the goo doll, oh, featuring Joe's face and my body. You can do whatever you want to it, just don't tell us about it. Uh, you know what? Get the Patreon up. We'll see what I can do. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I am sorry to inform you, the goo doll is canceled. <laughs> the goo doll is now banned uh, by American importation laws, and I don't know why. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> um, it's full of asbestos. Uh, I cut a lot of corners oh, on yeah, it. We, we, shot, we, we really packed it full of asbestos. <laughs> to, to, to talk about the USXX, we have to jump back in time to the uh, a little bit after the American Revolution to an age where American merchants, fur tradesmen, dudes who sold various kinds of weird pelts, whatever were passing through the Atlantic and John Astor, you son of a bitch. In the Pacific Oceans, like swarms of locusts doing their best to kill off animals for that sweet, succulent skin. Now, it was the 1820s. Times are good. Uh, your body is riddled with parasites. Your teeth have fallen out only to replace with slave teeth. And a guy wrote a paper championing the concept of a hollow earth. Also, you are probably fucking your sister. Uh, cousin, probably, but yeah. <laughs> I, Joe, this is a safe... No. If you're nobility, sister, probably. Oh, you're yeah. fucking your sister. Co- cousin, oh, yeah. very yeah. normal. Uh, not first cousins. Yeah, that was no. weird even for then. I, yeah, and some seals. And some seals. We told you not to fuck the seals, Liam. We, uh, we were actually very explicit about yeah, that. We're ahead of the curve. Um, now we really are this hollow earth shit was written by john cleve sims jr who was not a scientist he was a war veteran of, of the war of 1812 a former army officer and notably a crazy person in 1818 yeah, uh can't stress enough though uh buy other veterans books just not this guy honestly his book probably pretty well he didn't write a book he wrote a single paper uh, and by paper, I mean a single page paper. He was not a deep thinker. Are you telling me we funded this shit just based on like a hey, guys, what if shit post, basically? Kind of. I mean, it's it's a crazy snowball uh, flying downhill at a rapid speed. Joe, we have to get federal funding. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to uh, cash the Ned checks to explore the hollow earth. Yeah, take me with and you, And to man. be fair, research papers back then were not what they are today. Like, I remember seeing someone point out that, like, a PhD dissertation from, like, even the early 1900s is only, like, 10 pages. <laughs> now it's, like, a book. So, times have changed. My mom's is not that long, her PhD dissertation. Yeah, yeah. Now there are uh, hundreds of that pages. Was, that was 92, 93? That was 30 years ago now. I'm jealous. I have to write 60 pages just for my master's. So in 1818, John Cleve Sims Jr. wrote a single-page proclamation stating, quote, I declare the earth is hollow and habitable within, containing a number of solid concentric spheres, one within the other, and that is open at the poles 12 or 16 degrees. I pledge my life in support of this truth, and I am ready to explore the hollow if the world will support and aid me in this undertaking. Yeah, he was not a scientist. Uh, he didn't have any explorations under his belt. He was just a guy at the paper. Just a guy. Yeah. Um, he did, from what I can tell, no research here. Um, and I need to point out. I feel like it's better if you if you don't, right? Like if you're just like fuck it, I want some. Fe- I want I want that federal sl- uh, slush money. You're just like yeah, give it to me. Like more details is worse, right? Because then they can poke holes in it. Fair enough. And I mean, this isn't much different from the people who were like, drinking your piss will cure COVID. Like, yeah, you researched that, did you? <laughs> uh, 
Give me 50 million U.S. dollars. It's just throwing enough shit to the wall to see what sticks. And not to mention, he was a War of 1812 veteran. He maybe maybe he had a you know a close call with a cannonball, and he was uh, I don't know, not all there. Slow term lead poisoning. Watching his friend's face get atomized by chain shot changed him. And I know we often joke about how dumb people were in the past. This was not mainstream in any functional way. I need to I need to point this was crazy for the 1800s. People were like now I, when I say people I mean like actually educated people which wasn't that many were like what in the fuck is this guy talking about? Now, he had done absolutely zero research in attempting to prove this theory because folks, that's what we call science. Now, this wasn't a popular theory nor was it really ever um, it had been popular within folklore, legends, and things of that nature going back to virtually as early as humans began carving shit onto walls. Every society has their own flavor of this hollow earth mythology in some way, from the Greeks to uh, various uh, native tribes to Indians to Armenians to far-flung islands thousands of miles away from everybody else. At some point, we all kind of centralize on the idea like, hey, bro, what if the dirt under us was hollow? They're like... Bro. And that's as far as it goes. Like it works its way into folklore. It's not science. However, when it comes to scientific belief within, with, with, in a, a Christian context, like we're talking about, devoid of mythology in the 1800s, no, (laughs) absolutely not. However, it's entertaining as fuck. Oh, yeah. None of this stopped Sims from going on what is effectively a, a road show. Uh, he he did a, a a live podcast tour where he, he stood on a, a on like oh, it's got us on a box <laughs> and lectured people t- uh, to huge crowds of, of this idea. Now this was generally just lay people who had no idea about any of this shit, uh, and they're like, "Wow, that's really cool!" And he was entertaining. He was he was very good showman. And life so he was like a salesman. Yeah, yeah, life is boring as fuck back then. What else are you gonna do? I'm like, oh, the I I actually do have a question though. What? Is he is he just trying to get government funding or is he tried to sort of crowdsource this, some mixture of both? Like uh, a little bit from column A, a little bit from column B, but Sims okay. isn't the one that actually gets this funded. Sims is is the gene seed of this ex- expedition. Oh got it. Um okay. because he eventually does meet the guy who has the right touch to get this funded. And that is a guy named Jeremiah Reynolds. Um, Reynolds was a journalist who dropped literally his entire life and job to go on tour with Sims uh, in this hollow earth journey. Uh, He also really wanted to be a naval officer, um, but that will come up later. Uh, The two eventually had a falling out, and we're not entirely sure why, though it seems to be that Sims believed this concept of wife swapping. Sims wanted to colonize the inside of the planet. Like he thought that it was 100% uh, a human habit, a habitat that needed to be uh, uh, colonized. While Reynolds is like, well, we should probably explore it first. And I'm not saying that How Reynolds noble. is more sane. <laughs> He's certainly more practical. Um, and this idea that like of colonization or exploration, and he and Reynolds wasn't only about this hollow earth thing. He believed in exploration. In general, like he wanted to go to the area where he believed that there would be portals to the center of the earth, but he also wanted to explore the cultures and language and customs of everybody along the way, mostly in the Pacific. Uh, Also, all wrapped up into the concept of his exploration idea, which was we need to go to the South Pacific so we could find this entrance. 
And that was like a moderation, right? Reynolds continued on his own speaking tour where he did talk about the concept of a hollow earth, but he tempered the insanity of Sims somewhat with very practical ideas of exploration, which, of course, if you're an American in the 1800s or really any white person in the 1800s or any white person in the history of ed- ever, exploration means we're going to take this over. <laughs> Give us your spices. Yes. <laughs> uh, like it, and, 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 and nothing else besides that. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Well, please, it, please ignore the genocide. Uh, uh, Reynolds believed a lot of that stuff. He was mostly uh, a layman, a gentleman scientist would be like the term. Yeah, used. this dude just sounds like a kind of like fun, goofy lunatic. And this is, yeah, exactly. And this is how a very, I don't know, I don't want to call him normal, but a very benign kind of guy gets co-opted into outright uh, uh, insanity. Because he didn't have the nationalism tilt of taking shit over or turning Pacific Islands into coal deposits, which is super common for fleets of the day is like pull up on, you know, Samoa or whatever. Like, hey, what's up? We're going to dump a fuckload of coal here for our ships. And if you say anything, we're going to clap you, Um, which was, you know, one of the things I believe it was in Alfred Thayer Mahan's book uh, that was really popular, uh, turning an empire into various different outposts for the Navy. Right. He didn't really believe in that because he wasn't in government. He was just a weirdo with a hollow earth idea. He's just a weirdo. Yeah. He's just a weirdo, I'm sure. And that is when President John Quincy Adams started paying attention. Oh, come on, man. Now, it turned out that little bit of moderation to make it seem normal was all it really needed. And according to the Smithsonian, Adams wrote about Reynolds in his diary in 1826, saying, quote, We got to do a Quincy Adams episode at some point. That dude's a fascinating. <laughs> He's a weird guy. Adam said, quote, his lectures are said to have been well attended and much approved as expositions and his genius of science, but the theory itself has been much ridiculed and in his truth, very visionary. And that now Reynolds is now varied in purpose and his proposition and fitting out a voyage of circumnavigation of the Southern Ocean. When people see this, they believe that John Quincy Adams was a hollow earther. Because he says the word visionary. And I looked it up. Visionary meant something much different back then. It meant that he was fucking nuts. <laughs> it meant that he was unwell or unsteady and having visions. <laughs> however. Oh, boy. <laughs> no, no. No, however. <laughs> Adams notes that, you know, the idea of exploration and circumnavigation of the Southern Ocean is a very, very good idea for science and the concept of American expansionism, as well as you know, exploration, et cetera, et cetera. There's no way this is going to get funded in Congress is something that he points out. Right. He he was wrong. Um, (laughs) Until. (laughs) Now, the reason why is not because of John Quincy Adams, but because Reynolds was good at something that Sims was not. And that is marketing. Because while Reynolds was doing his, his speaking tours, he urged people that came to his lectures to bother the shit out of representatives. Uh, that was my question. Okay. In a letter writing campaign to get funding and okay. approval for his ideas. And, you know, ever his, his concept of the hollow earth was pretty well known. And that was kind of shaved away because, you know, when the House of Representatives gets effectively a green light from their um, constituents to set fire to a ton of money to expand America, possibly. They're like, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Great. Now, in 1828, the U.S. House of Representatives passed a resolution requesting President John Quincy Adams send a single vessel on this proposed expedition. Adams ordered the U.S. Navy to prepare a 500-ton sloop of war named the USS Peacock, 
we weren't very good at naming ships back then. Real intimidating, <laughs> boys. <laughs> Careful, it's gonna it's gonna dance at you. Uh, well, the house was real nasty, like yeah. though. <laughs> uh, it's a twerking warship, and the house is authorizing funding for the expedition to start in December. 1828. And by all accounts, it looked like this was going to be passed. And then Adams lost re-election in 1828. He lost to noted fucking madman, Andrew Jackson. Oh, yeah. Now, we're not going to go too hard on Andrew Jackson in this particular episode. I feel like he earns his own series at a later date. But uh, Jackson was a lot of fucking things. None of them good, but one of them was a cheap bastard. And after winning his uh, election, his allies in Congress shit can the Reynolds plan for expedition and uh, for this expeditionary ship uh, for being a massive waste of money on top of like he fucking hated Adams. So it wasn't like ja- Jackson's yeah, yeah, yeah. green light something that Adams proposed. So it was like, no, fuck him because um, he had lost in 1824 uh, the corrupt bargain. Jackson hated most people. Honestly, like it, it seemed that he hated every single person that he worked with in government. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it's the one thing Andrew Jackson was right about, right? Like, you know, yeah. You, if I were in government, I'd hate everybody I worked with. Yeah, too. if you were the president and you looked at Congress and you said all of you are fucking monsters, like you would be right. However, you probably wouldn't hate them for the reason that Jackson did, which is always a bad reason. Pettiness. Yeah, you pettiness. Uh, he was. The pettiest motherfucker that's ever lived. I don't, I honestly, I think Ulysses S. Grant was almost as petty as him as president. I don't know, man. I'm, pr- I'm pretty petty, but like, who? I think you might be right. No, I will give, I mean, Jackson only, only was petty for one term while Grant had two. So, <laughs> vote as you shot, Joe. Yeah, yeah. He didn't have to pack so many into such a short amount of time. But yeah, J- Jackson shit can the Reynolds plan, and then politics happened. Um, and as politics that Jackson enjoys, which is violence. Shooting? Yes. Yeah, dueling, probably. In 1831, the American merchant ship, the Friendship, under the command of Charles Endicott, oh, landed. Like what a stupid name. Oh, and I'm, it's a bit of a, a spoiler here. Not a lot of friendship happening on this boat. Because uh, Charles Endicott's Uh-oh. boat crash landed on Sumatra in a particular area under the command of a chief named Kalawa Batu. Now, this chief and the United States had a relationship when it came to trading, and this is a routine run to trade pepper. Now, uh, when Endicott went to shore on a small boat, for some reason, a different chief raided his boat, killed several of his men, and stole cargo. Um, there's no evidence that Abatu had any idea this is going to happen, and this is just... Uh, the U.S. does fundamentally misunderstands the dynamics of, of, of tribal leadership. And when Batu's like, I can't fucking tell that guy what to do. They're like, ah, you're a two-faced swindler, sir. Uh, so yeah, it was probably just a case of good old-fashioned piracy and the low and, and racism. Yeah, well, when it when it comes to what the U.S. does next, sure. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was just a case of falling into yeah, local politics. The, the chief is out here just saying, ha white man can't jump. If you're going to do a trade with the United States, why would you invite them to shore and then trade pepper with them? And then pi- like, you know, what's going to happen if you attack this fucking ship. Yes. You're going to get yeah, a whole bunch of angry white people with cannons are going to show up. Anyway, that happened. A, a lot of uh, sailors were killed and Endicott eventually uh, was scoppered away by uh, friendly tribes and other European powers and got back to the U S. 
However, when word of this incident got to the US, Andrew Jackson dealt with the problem literally the only way he ever knew how to deal with any problem, by ordering it to be killed. Uh, He sent the USS Potomac to blow the chiefdom up, which was exactly what they did. Uh, Potomac wheeled up outside the coast, indiscriminately bombed Sumatra, and then sent a whole bunch of Marines ashore. The whole village was burnt to the ground. Marines looted everything that wasn't burnt. And they seemed to shoot men, women, and children quite uh, quite freely. In the end, about 450 people were murdered. Now, there was no attempt to make peace with this chief or explain, hey, we're displeased with what happened. Explain yourself. Like, diplomacy, perhaps. They just rolled up and just murdered people. And this was not a popular thing. Um, this was considered beyond the pale for really? a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, good, but that's kind of shocking to me. Like, I... I shouldn't be surprised. You know what I mean? I'll say it was probably quite popular amongst uh, normal lay, lay type Americans. However, in government, it was unpopular. Oh, okay. Because okay. diplomatically, it's a fuck up. Uh, and not for, and I should point out that the slaughter of non white people is now what people were mad at. Um, Sumatra was all but officially a Dutch possession. It would have been Dutch, yeah. yeah. Um, and it was well within their sphere of influence. So it was considered a bit of a diplomatic faux pas to roll up on someone's colony and bomb it. Uh, I will say to that, uh, USA, USA, <laughs> suck it back-to-back World War champs. And, well, that hadn't happened yet, Liam, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. That, that was effectively Jackson's argument. Um, like, fuck the Dutch, we'll do what we want. Which, which, hey, 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 you know, he was wrong about many things. Andrew Jackson was. Under no circumstances, you got to hand it to Andrew Jackson, but yeah, fuck the yeah, Dutch. And I'm not saying that kneeling to Dutch colonial power over Sumatra is a I good idea I just want to point out that I lost 500 US dollars on the 2010 World Cup. It's your fault. So, uh, fuck them. <laughs> it's your fault for betting on the Shut orange. Up. Shut up. I was... They're the orange, right? You know what? Hey, yeah. let's move swift. Yeah, they're... You know, <sighs> They lost a fucking... Was it Spain they lost Diplomatically, uh, it was considered a bit of a problem, uh, which meant within you know the foreign policy circles of D.C., people were like, yo, what are you doing? <laughs> like, Andrew Jackson's just firing flitlock pistols into the air, screaming, yeehaw, fuck the Dutch. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, like I said, I'm not saying that consulting with the Dutch so the Dutch would have bombed them is better, because that's like the uh, uh, opposition opinion, is let them deal with punishments. Um, like, just don't do that. Don't don't bomb colony. Don't have colonies, actually. Anyway. Don't have colonies, yeah. really, is what we're saying. But also, it's it's never a bad time to fuck over the Dutch. <laughs> I, I at this point, I'm honestly curious. Five hundred dollars. Is Joe. there a country in Europe you don't hate? <laughs> France. You know that. That's Love the oh, French. Oh god. Um now you like Napoleon. We're not so different, you and I. <laughs> hey, my grandpa lived in France and got exiled from there. All right, I'm not a fan of France. Yeah, people I'm related to got exiled too. And, I still like no, it. In France's defense, I'd exile him too. He's an asshole. Uh, <laughs> uh, however, is there anyone in your family who isn't in it? Your mom, mom, my I mom's guess. side's pretty good. Yeah, my dad's side, hundred like percent trash. Yeah, we like your mom. Yeah, all right. Dad's side, all, all right. trash, all the way down. Foundationally garbage people on my dad's side. <laughs> yeah all right plus one vote for joe's yeah. mom joe's mom stands all around especially the people i played xbox live with uh back in the day she seemed to be very popular 
Um, now there was one very loud, unapologetic supporter for Jackson's punitive expedition to Sumatra. Oh, it's gotta be someone racist. Jeremiah Reynolds. Remember, he, uh, like, he was uh, practical, and, and to be fair, he almost certainly would support bombing any brown people. It, it doesn't matter. He was also on board the Potomac as a civilian. Uh, he had worked his way in with other government connections onto getting aboard the ship because uh, he also wanted to be a naval officer. He was sweetening the deal here. Um, now, Jackson pointed to Reynolds' writing and be like, see, this is fine. It's popular. Everything's fine. And again, fuck the Dutch. Like, this, this, this was also effectively Reynolds' opinion. <laughs> um and that wasn't enough. Uh, something else happened. Maritime interests, which were one of the many interests that Jackson truly hated, um, began to petition Congress to deal with the Fiji Islands uh, after an American whaling ship named the Charles Daggett crashed there and reportedly had its entire crew eaten. Uh, <laughs> specifically by a chief named Vidovi. Uh, it's spelled multiple different ways. Now, normally when you see stuff like this, it's a bit of historical racism. Like, ah, yes, the cannibalistic people of such and such place. And the cannibalism tends to be more of an editorial flourish than historical fact. However, <laughs> in this case, oh, those dudes got eaten. Um, and the ev- <laughs> Oh, okay. Oh, for real? Like, eat they, not they like- were harvested for sustenance, yes. <laughs> okay. Now, the evidence for this is that cannibalism was very common in Fiji during this time. Um, and it, it was not only uh, a, something that occurred, it was fucking expected if white people showed up. Um, there was a reason why these islands were known as, literally, the cannibal islands at the time. Um, this is for a lot of different reasons, um, namely for spiritual and uh, uh, ritual purposes. They, they didn't treat people like livestock or anything. Um, but it's not, it's not mostly just the fact that it's inhabited by cannibals, which is fine. Whatever, man. They ate people they considered their enemies, and they considered people who floated in uninvited their fucking enemies. So, you know, yeah, if, if a whaling ship crashes it. there, you might get, cut, get, get some fucking bacon cut it. off your no, back. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. This continued Listen, all man, the way until I'm, the late 1800s. I'm willing to excuse a lot of immoral behavior. I mean, it was moral uh, for them. Who who am I to judge them as unmoral? You oh, know? oh, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I'll it, buy it. every time they ate a guy, it was, uh, well, they ate men, women, and children. They didn't really seem to discriminate. Oh, you gotta not eat the, don't eat kids, It's like, man. it's human veal, all right? If you're eating people, why draw a line? Don't fuck why kids, draw a line? Don't you're already kids, eating people. Don't, don't. Uh, yeah, I know, but like, okay, uh, we found something on this show that I can't approve of morally. And apparently, that's eating people. <laughs> Look, I'm not saying I'd eat a guy, but like, no, I would yeah. eat a guy. I mean, uh, d- well, you know, if I have to survive, I-, I might eat a guy. I don't fucking know. Oh yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> if I'm like, if I'm in the Andes and you're dead, all bets are fucking off. But yeah, I don't mind. I'm dead. What the fuck do if I care? If you're dead already, all bets are off. All bets are off. I'm eating you. If I'm dead, I legitimately don't care what anybody does to my body. Oh, Load yeah, me into no, a cave and fire me across the parade. Eat me. I don't care. Yeah. No. Hard save. Uh, Just make sure I'm dead like, first. Don't wait until I'm like in a deep no, sleep, kind of sick. Like, all right, you're like, yo, all right, Liam, Joe. still alive over here as you're gnawing on my calf or whatever. Oh yeah. Where? Where? No, I wouldn't eat you if you were still alive, dude. I'd give you that thing today. Yeah. It's not like uh, uh, that that episode about Japanese military cannibalism we talked to, <laughs> where we talked about where they were still keeping the guys alive, so it's fresh. 
I, uh, hey, Joe, you ever heard my joke about the Donner Party? I, I don't think I have. Donner Party of four? Oh, no thanks. We already ate. Boo. Well done. Uh, um, thank you. You know, yeah, it's very off topic, but one of the things I, I, I thought of whenever I heard Donner Party, I was like, well, they're already named after kebabs. You know, like, just go for it. <laughs> just shaving a guy's <laughs> leg off the table. Yeah, like, you, you didn't Dude, want to be eaten. Like, don't have a, a name uh, that's after a, a succulent <laughs> meal. <laughs> like, going to Fogo to Chow and then presenting you with some guy's shin bone <laughs> medium rare. <laughs> oh, I never would have been eaten if my last name wasn't Flank Steak. <laughs> uh, but you know the, the Fiji Islands, and that's why I changed my last name to Toxoplasmosis. <laughs> that's why my my original last name is Pryon. Um, now the Fiji Islands at the time were not exactly welcoming, as you can imagine. They they weren't doing trade with people. It was sadly a fuck off energy. Um, as you know, obviously they didn't want people to hang out there. Called the goddamn Cannibal Islands. Yeah, yeah. it's it, it's like the I hate Carlos Mencia, but he has a joke like, "No shit, you get hit with a tornado, you live in Tornado Alley." Like, yeah, like it's called Tornado Alley. I'm I'm sure he stole that joke from someone else because that's what he does. But like, if you crash on Cannibal Island, don't be too shocked that someone starts fucking gnawing what on your you hand. What are you surprised by? Yeah. What is surprising to you? So, some guy shows up and cracks your fucking rib cage open like a crab leg. Like, yep. Yeah, should have saw this coming. <laughs> but yeah, uh, at this point, it was mostly due to uncharted reefs. Uh, like five American boats had crashed in there. A fair amount of people had been eaten. Um, so they were like, hey, Mr. President, can you do something about this? It's, you know, it's becoming a thing. It's getting out of hand. Yeah. Um, so, of course... Jackson got the idea where it's like, okay, well, we could chart these reefs, these these that didn't have that were not on any map, and also bomb the shit out of the Fijians for eating Americans. Which you know, maybe just don't go there. It's that whatever. However, Jackson was still kind of against it, mostly because of the cost. Um, and uh, this led. Oh, that dude hated spending money. Yeah, I mean he. He didn't. He, even when it came to killing people, he pinched pennies, which is kind of impressive for him. Um, this led Reynolds to lobby his friend and representative Samuel Southford, or Southard of New Jersey, who was the head of the Naval Affairs Ooh. Committee. <laughs> he was the head of the Naval Affairs Committee, and he spoke on the issue, citing Reynolds' exploration concept. And uh, in 1836, Reynolds addressed the House of Representatives about why this was so important. Remember, this all started with the concept of the hollow earth. <laughs> really big glow up here to like ranting like a madman on the street corner to addressing the House of Representatives. Good for yeah. him, man. I mean, that's effectively what Marjorie Taylor Greene did. So, you know, same energy. <sighs> Now, he, I'm not going to say any actionable threats. I'm not going to say any actionable threats. He mostly, of course, stuck to his guns about this being exploration based, not like, oh, if we go to this particular part of the South Pacific, we'll find the uh, hollow earth portal. Um, and he talked about the scientific importance of charting reefs, but also studying nature, language and culture in these areas. And he his crew would involve naval officers, but as well as huge amounts of, of civilian experts. Um, oh, and also we'll blow up Fiji. Um, you know, that we'll do that on the way back. Yeah, we, we, we will blow up Fiji. Yeah. 
Jackson didn't give a single fuck about any of the science shit. However, Reynolds, who had supported him in the past, was now also saying, we'll blow up brown people for the government. Um, So he was interested. There's also a very pervasive rumor that Jackson was a flat earther, and he wanted to use this expedition to prove it. As much as I I'm want this to be true the, about this, this desk. Now, as much as I want this to be true, because how incredibly funny that would be. This is mostly sourced from a single book back in 1963, who cites it to all the way back in the 1800s, which was written once upon a time by a Jackson political opponent who mostly just wanted him to sound stupid. He also said other things like Jackson didn't even know how to spell Europe, which isn't true. Like you can read his letters. <laughs> so there's no truth behind it. Um, Although it's weird because every time he did spell Europe, he spat on the page. Yeah, yeah much like Liam, whenever he speaks of any country in Europe, not I, named I hate the goddamn Dutch. <laughs> uh, and the flat earth theory was virtually non-existent uh, in this t- uh, time and age. What we know today as the flat earther conspiracy theory or whatever is a modern invention, mostly from the mid-1950s, but even newer than that as conspiracy thought has rapidly taken over people's brains um though if you go far enough back the first thing that you can really find is from uh, what you would consider the modern western conception of the flat earth 1849 but that's mostly not cited Mm. um it's it's a new invention because people are gradually becoming dumber (laughs) from the internet i'm not i'm not fighting you on that um Anyway, Jackson sold this as a nationalist ex- expedition to claim more lands for the United States, and he picked his old war buddy, Thomas Apt Capsby Jones, to command it, because names were a little bit cooler back then. Um, a little bit. Now, this ran smack dab into a problem named the Secretary of the Navy, Malon Dickerson, um, who was even cheaper than Jackson, to the point that he believed that even building a naval academy was too expensive and pointless, um, which... Not going to argue there. Somewhat hilariously, this opposition that Dickerson seemed to have to anything to do with the Navy might have to do with the fact that he didn't even want this job. He had moved to D.C. under the impression that... (laughs) Just showed up. (laughs) Well, he moved to D.C. under the impression that Jackson had picked him to be the minister to Russia, which is what he'd been told. But when he showed up, he's like, actually, you're going to be secretary of the Navy. And he's like, God damn it. So he probably didn't want the job. All right. Uh, Jones and Dickerson constantly uh, complained about how much the expedition was going to cost to the point Jones began violently coughing up blood. Um, Oh, shit. Okay. He blamed he was diagnosed with stomach ulcers, which he blamed on having to deal with Dickerson um, and the stress with having to deal with the asshole. But because of the ulcers, he couldn't be in command anymore. So the secretary of war kicked the can down the road and the command fell to Lieutenant Charles Wilkes, a man so pure, he effectively quakered himself out of Naval command. Um, now Wilkes was known for being incredibly straight laced and deeply religious, even for the time. And he complained about his fellow officers habits of doing shit. People in Navy, the Navy tend to do namely drinking and sodomy. Drinking and sodomy. <laughs> yep. I, I knew I was gonna. I knew we were gonna end up. Like he, he he considered it all like uh, deeply ungentlemanly. He never drank. He never smoked. Shit like that. It's like fucking butts is like is uh, is uh, unbecoming of a naval officer. But he's like, go away, nerd. <laughs> There's nothing else to do. <laughs> what else do you want from us? And this made him so deeply unpopular with the naval brass. He was thrown on a land based command for 13 years. Um, 
he mostly spent this time doing shit that is very important to naval work, like learning cartography, mathematics, um, being really good at navigation and stuff like that. But he never actually commanded a ship for over a decade, which I've talked to multiple people in the Navy. That means he's lucky. Um, Like I have never, never be on a ship. Yeah. Um, Okay. However, because it sucks and it's like 1830. Yeah, I mean, being on a ship now is awful. Being on a ship back then is indescribably miserable. You, you kill yourself, yeah. Um, not to mention, like, people were on ship for years at a time back then. Uh, however, Dickerson still wanted to sign off on the plan, and it wasn't until the U.S. got another president, Martin Van Buren, in 1837, and a whole other Secretary of Navy a year after that, that the mission finally got approved. The mission was given a three-year window to be completed, and this is mostly because... The crews only had a three-year enlistment on these. There's about there's like 500 people involved in this. A lot of them Marines, sure. some sailors. All of them only had three years left on their enlistment for the most part. So the Navy's like, well, you got to be back so you know they could leave the military. They're, the ships that were would be made up of the would become made up of the expedition were the USS Vincennes. No, not the one you're thinking of. <laughs> the peacock, the flying fish, the porpoise. Oh, our favorite, the peacock. And the seagull. Uh, and they would all be supported by a supply ship named the Relief, a crew that would become the luckiest of them all for reasons that will become quickly aware. Oh, boy. When Wilkes tried to get a promotion to captain for himself and the other lieutenants that were commanding these ships, he was promptly shot down by the Navy. Uh, and his reasoning was legit like, well, we're all captains. You know, we should have captaincy because there's other lieutenants on the ship and you need to have, you know, uh, superiority I need to be in charge. I mean, and he had a point. However, the Navy just refused. Um, he's, they they okay. cited we, we can't afford it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. Figure it out. Um, the officers were also split into very defined factions between regular naval men, people who had spent their career out at sea. Uh, and people like Wilkes, who had spent their di- their time on land learning about science and shit. And the two did not like each other at all. Um, this is mostly because the- Wilkes was in charge. And he expected his naval-going subordinates to learn how to do science. Which is not really something you can do on the fly. And the naval-going subordinates assumed that their land based superiors would be able commanders or at least know how to command a ship. And neither of them were able to hold up their end of the bargain. Now, um, their goal was to sail through South America's Southern tip, uh, turn for Australia, make an attempted run towards Antarctica, then head towards Samoa, Fiji, blow up Fiji in revenge, head towards Hawaii, the Pacific Northwest down the coast of California, and then circumnavigate the globe back to New York city. Everything's going to be fine. As soon as they got to Brazil, it became clear to everybody oh, <laughs> that Wilkes was maybe not the best guy for this job. Yeah. <laughs> In Rio, they met with, or he met with Commodore Nicholson, who commanded the U.S. squadron that was based out of Brazil. And Wilkes as- assumed he'd be greeted as a captain because effectively he was rather than the lieutenant that he actually, the rank of that he actually wore. And when Commodore Nicholson Treated him like a lieutenant. He had a temper tantrum and passed out. He was then bedridden for three months. What? <laughs> he, did what? he just, he was, he got so bad. He just went to sleep. He, he got the vapors. I don't fucking know. 
I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, Joe, I've been pretty pissed off in my life. I don't think I've ever just gone to sleep. You got all tuckered like, out. Yeah. No, I, I can, I can fight, man. Well, he should have just been, I mean, the guy had been in the Navy for well over a decade at that point. He should have known how the rank structure worked. Like, of course, this Commodore is going to treat me like a lieutenant. I'm wearing lieutenant's rank. Uh, but yeah, he was bedridden for three fucking months. Remember, they have a, a time frame for this entire mission. Three months is now gone, uh, which, the, <laughs> which stalled the entire mission. And by the time he was ready to go again, it was February, which was storm season in the area. Now, his experienced naval officers are like, ooh, these storms are really going to suck. We should probably skip a few stops to get through the storms. Uh, Wilkes refused. So he smashed through several storms, which nearly sank pretty much the entire fleet. Got to the tip of Argentina, and he ordered the porpoise and the flying fish to go 500 miles south, which would have put them smack dab into the middle of a, a field of icebergs. Uh, oh, he was warned about this, like, this is going to be hard. Uh, we should probably all go to help navigate this mess. He was ignored. And he said, no, I'm going to go have another temper tantrum. Well, he, he was good when it came to his supporters because he would just ignore them. <laughs> um, he told Fair them enough. to go anyway. Both ships nearly sank, uh, and they had to turn around because of terrible weather, at which point he lost his shit on the commanders for turning around. After that, they went about 1,600 more miles to Valparaiso, Chile, and the seagull sank. <laughs> oh. It was just lost. Nobody knows where it went. Uh, it was vanished, uh, probably lost in one of the storms he was warned about, killed everybody on board. And of course, any little bit of good faith or, or whatever belief that the other officers in the fleet had towards Wilkes was immediately gone because during a meeting, like, hey, we're going to get the shit kicked out of us by a storm. And that happened and it killed an entire crew. Um, and, uh, they blamed him for it at this point. Wilkes decided, well, you know, what is truly to blame for our slow going and then getting punched in the face by storms is this supply ship relief, which was slower. It was bigger and carrying supplies. So it's going to move. Also trying to help you. It's trying to help. It's also your lifeline because it's a supply ship. So he sent it back home and then anybody who disagreed with any of his commands or people he had bad vibes with or whatever were then stashed onto the relief and sent home with them. That seems short sighted. People were like, uh, this seems like a bad idea. You know, we're going through routes that are very, very long that we might not be able to get food from. Um, we should probably keep the supply ship. They were packed onto the relief. No, I'm going to pass out again. And then to make matters even better, he declared himself Commodore. Oh boy! Oh, okay. this inc- this included having rank sewn onto his uniform and flying a Commodore's flag, which he brought with him. So he was going to do this shit the whole time. Yes. Now, somehow things managed to go fine for at least a little bit after this. They passed through uh, the Tahitian Islands without too many problems, and then they made for Pago Pago, Samoa. And luckily for them, Samoans were very very friendly to outsiders. Um, they were had a pretty deep trade connection with missionaries and everything um, with white people. So they're more than happy to trade them fresh water, food, whatever. And they even wanted to help because the Harbor is a bitch. Like the, when there's swells coming in, it's surrounded by rocks. So it will just smash you directly into the rocks. Ooh, okay. So the Simone's like, you guys might want to wait. Um, we've seen this happen a hundred times. You're going to get your shit beat up out there. Um, and then when Wilkes insisted that they had to leave, they're like, 
okay, fine, follow us. We'll teach you how to get through here. One of the Samoan guys who spoke fluent English uh, got on Wilkes' flagship, which was the Vincennes, uh, and was yelling at him at what to do to get through the swells and dodge all these rocks. Under this kind of stress, Wilkes simply froze up, leading to the Samoan guy to take command of the Vincennes, ordering his crew of American sailors of what to do. And it worked. They, they all made it out of the harbor. Wow. Um, and then Wilkes got very mad at the Samoan guy and kicked him off the ship. What an ass. Yeah, he, he's, a bit of a, he's a bit of a dick. Now, another part of this story is this race to Antarctica, which Wilkes... Didn't actually know this, but um, this mission actually would have been c- completed already. Uh, he's when he sent the flying fish, fish and the porpoise into iceberg land. They had actually reached within 150 miles of the Antarctic coast, but they oh, didn't wow. know it was there. Uh, so they simply turned around with the storm. But uh, now, however, the expedition was uh, around Samoa. Wilkes began to hear that there were French and British ships that were planning on trying to chart the same part of Antarctica that he was. Uh, there was this idea that Antarctica wasn't a continent yet. Like it was only a theory. And a lot of what they were trying to do was prove that it was. Sometimes you see this written as Wilkes discovered Antarctica. And that's absolutely not true. That actually happened about 20 years before, give or take. Um, but yeah, uh, but he heard that there were other crews doing the same thing. Um, so they made a 3000 mile long trip to Australia where they make preparations for their final push into Antarctica which required the fleet to split in half. Um, now there's a, a, his second in command uh, who was on the Peacock. It was pointing out like, Hey, my ship is literally falling apart from all of those storms. We shouldn't go until this is fixed, or at least we should hold the Peacock back. Of course that was ignored. Right Now Wilkes wrote in his diary after dodging icebergs and heavy fog on January 16th, 1840 crewmen ab- aboard the Vincennes and other vessels spotted uh, what they believed to be land and he declared that they had discovered the continent of Antarctica. He's not the first person to discover Antarctica, for sure. Uh, that was a guy named Fabian von right. Bellinghausen uh, on a mission from Russia, I think, in 1820. Wilkes was even the first American to find it. Uh, uh. There was already an American who had walked on it. It was a seal hunter named John Davis. Um, he did, however, claim to be the first person uh, to discover it at least in his diary, and he named a huge chunk after himself, Wilkes Land, which still exists today. Of course it did. Yep. Um, now, credit where credit is due, however, he did discover the continental margin of Antarctica, which helps prove the theory that Antarctica is a continent, not a big floating ice cube or whatever. However, ignoring all the warnings from his other officers, everybody almost died. Uh, Antarctica is a yep. hard fucking place <laughs> to sail through when you're good at your job. Everybody got stuck in ice, battered by storms, and they almost lost the peacock. They've, they've barely escaped, and somehow only a couple of crewmen died. His officers... Not bad, I guess you'd call oh, that. This will not be the only people he gets killed. Trust me. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. His officers warned him they needed to get the hell out of there. He ignored them again. This happened a few more times until people seemed to just ignore him and start heading back towards Australia. Uh, and he caught up with them. Once back in Australia, they began to head towards Fiji on the long-awaited revenge mission. Now, they got to Fiji without much of a problem, and storming ashore, they found some Americans who were living side-by-sides with the Fijians. They're like, what's up, guys? Hey, guess who? guess who's about to get massacred? 
and they demanded effectively at gunpoint to tell him where Chief Vidovi was, the guy who was reportedly at fault for the mass amount of cannibalism right. on this particular island. Uh, now, when that didn't work, because uh, the Americans are like, nah, you seem a bit murdery. We don't really want to do that. Yes. Yes, we are. Uh, he captured a bunch Please of civilians um, and oh, threatened the, and told the Americans who spoke the, the local language, go tell the chief if he doesn't uh, surrender himself to us, we'll kill all these people. That worked. The chief turned himself in. What the fuck? Yeah. A group of civilians did uh, resist being, you know, kidnapped. Uh, and when that happened, their village was burned to the ground. Used as hostages? Yeah. Uh, their village was burned to the ground. Uh, that got the chief to surrender. And the part of the plan was to bring him back to the U.S., where he was almost certainly going to be executed. Now, this is where getting rid of his supply ship finally caught up to Wilkes. Because as they were leaving towards Hawaii... It became pretty clear that, wow, we don't have enough food or water for this ship. I imagine that. And that is when a passing Fijian fisherman on a canoe was like, hey, over on the island of uh, Malolo, I think it was called, we have pigs and water. We'll trade you. Now, it turned out that these guys on this particular island were very, very aware of the bullshit that the Americans had just pulled and decided they wanted some revenge. Understandable. Yeah, Understandable. of course. Like, these fucking assholes just stormed ashore, burned down a village, and kidnapped a guy. Let's fucking shoot him, right? I want to see what Wilkes tastes like. <laughs> Not assuming there is a trap waiting for him, which is just astronomically stupid, in my opinion, after what he just did. Wilkes sent Lieutenant Joseph Underwood uh, in command of a shore party, which included uh, um, Wilkes's nephew, Henry Wilkes. I want this dude to get got so bad. <laughs> well, as soon as a shore party came, uh, it was like, hey, we're here for the pigs. Uh, Fijians came out of the bushes and clubbed them all to death. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, for some reason, when word got back to Wilkes, uh, he blamed Underwood for the death of his nephew. And then as punishment, auctioned off all of his personal belongings to the rest of the crew. <laughs> No. Despite the fact he you had do he that. had a standing <laughs> will that everybody was aware of uh, to send all his stuff back home, uh, so yeah, um, you can't do that, man. Wilkes then ordered the military burials of the two men that were killed, uh, and then dispatched a revenge mission ashore, which were made up of about seventy uh, marines and sailors, as well as some civilians, including a uh, a Hawaiian member of the crew, which went by the name, and I swear to God. Oahu Jack. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, and his rum bar. <laughs> Oahu Jack 100% sounds like the nickname of a, of a white tour guide that works in Waikiki. Like uh, Paul Rudd's character in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yep. yep. <laughs> Spot but on. He, he was, I mean, what was probably why that was his nickname is that the white people couldn't pronounce his names. Like, fuck it. Call me Jack. I don't, I don't care. Uh, but he spoke a dialect that the Fijians understood. And while they were paddling to shore, they saw canoes going out and they sp- speedily caught up to one of them like, hey, what island are you from? And the Fijians like, oh, we're from Malolo. And then Oahu Jack murdered them all with a blunderbuss. What Jesus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, got, they, they got the Shinzo Abe. Oh, <laughs> he deserved it. 
Nate, if you got to cut that, cut <laughs> Look, that. Look, it's not my fault that it's comical that a guy got fucking got by a homemade t-shirt cannon, yeah, but, okay? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. My <laughs> Fallout 2 gun. Yeah, I know. Now, on the island the, the that the Americans stormed ashore, they probably assumed they'd be walking in to burn down, like, I don't know, backward villagers or whatever that didn't have guns. But... They walked into what effectively was a fortress at the at a village named Yarrow. Um, now, the Fijians knew that the Americans would respond this way. This isn't their first rodeo. So they had dug trenches and built a fortress. And then chieftains were dancing uh, on top of the fortress, yelling at them in broken uh, English and like swears, and then telling them and daring them to attack. Mm-hmm. Good. Now... The Marines at this point were not as... Uh, well, this is actually the job that they're good at, landing on far-flung islands and massacring people. And the commander of the ground force, Lieutenant Ringgold, was like, seems like a really bad idea to attack this fort. We shouldn't do that. Uh, his idea was to hold off the attack, hang back, and then shell it with their navy because they have a powerful navy off the coast. However, other officers didn't get this message and then immediately ordered their men into a frontal assault directly into the fort. Uh, oh, yeah. boy. Now, this happened as Ringgold passed the message to shell the fort. So, as the charge it take, is taking place, naval gunfire and Congreve rockets are flying at the Marines as well. That does not sound like a fun time. No, it's just a storm clusterfuck of uh, uh, like that scene from uh, a Braveheart. We're like, sir, our, yeah, just getting yeah, that. Sir, our, our men will be hit by those arrows. Like, well, their men will be hit by them, too. <laughs> but just flinging Congreve rockets in every direction, which, of course, sets the fort on fire. Uh, and the fort is also surrounding a village, which also catches on fire. So all of these people in a swirling mass of hand-to-hand combat, well, everything is burning around them. The fire quickly swept through the village because it's mostly made out of, you know, kindling effectively. Sure. Uh, this forced the surviving population out of the village and fort where they were shot. Uh, at, at the same time, another marine offensive attacked the village nearby, driving the entire population into the ocean where they died. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Survivors that were left on the island that were not murdered immediately were forced at gunpoint to give the American fleet whatever bits of food and water they had left, effectively leaving them to die. When you read about this now, it'll often be said that Wilkes attempted to get the Marines to not to do this, which mm-hmm. is like, but Wilkes didn't land. He stayed on the boat. So he's like, okay, Marines, Pinky promised that you won't slaughter innocent people. And wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Lieutenant Ringel is like, why would you have brought us if you didn't want us to do that? Right. So I don't really buy that excuse. Um, and it's not like he got anybody in trouble for doing this afterwards. The entire island is re- reduced to ruin. Um, and it's not like he punished them. Um, now, upon leaving Fiji, Wilkes was having a, a problem. He hadn't accomplished about half of his goals and his three-year mark was running out. So he simply extended the expedition for another year, despite not having the authorization, funding, or power to do so. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You're probably wondering, well, that makes this a four-year-long expedition. This is a kidnapping, boys and girls. This is a mass kidnapping. Um, Everybody's enlistments were running out, or would run out, before the end of the expedition. So Wilkes simply decided that he would order his officers and NCOs to beat the ever living shit out of every man whose contract was running out until they reenlisted. 
Oh, my God. The beatings will continue until morale improves. When someone refused, he punished them in a way called round the fleet, which meant they would be flogged on one boat, be forced to get on a rowboat, paddle over to the next boat, get flogged again, get on the rowboat, paddle over the next boat. Guess what? I'm joining the cannibals. (laughs) And this would occur until they've been flogged a total of 110 times. I'm a cannibal now. Uh, When that didn't work, he ordered them arrested and thrown in the brig where they would stay for the rest of the voyage and simply not be paid as their contract ran out. Yep, that's fun. (laughs) Recruiters nowadays like, fuck, why can't we do that? Now, by this point, the expedition had gone completely buck fucking wild and had been one giant rolling international incident slash war crime clusterfuck slash bad slash worse <laughs> word had gotten back to the united states at this point he like because one of the problems with firing so many naval officers and sending them back home is you're supplying the secretary of the navy with like a grip of dudes who are like wilkes has lost his hey, so fucking we just mind got yeah, <laughs> exactly and telling them that like hey if you sneeze wrong wilkes beats the shit out of you shit like that um, this prompted the Secretary of the Navy to send him a letter, which, you know, effectively... Stop kidnapping people. No, he didn't care about that. It pretty much said, okay. what is going on out there? Like, I mean, like, I'm hearing a lot of shit, a lot of it bad. Now, Wilkes blamed all of these setbacks on what he called a cabal of officers that were working against him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is it the Jews? No, I, I mean, probably, but also no. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. When he got back, when he got to Honolulu, uh, one of the key capitals of the Western whaling world where there was, you know, an easy passage of letters and stuff, he got a letter in response from the Secretary of Navy, which effectively green lighted him to do anything that he had to do to get rid of this whole cabal thing. What the which fuck? is incredible that you get a letter from like a naval officer that everybody's telling you has lost his mind, telling you, like, no, it's a shitty cabal of officers that's causing this downfall. And you're like, seems legit. It's a shitty cabal of officers. Yeah, do what you got to do. Now, before Wilkes had been pretty brutal, um, this gave him a green light to do anything that he wanted. Yeah. According to the book Sea of Glory, which I use mostly for a source for this episode, it described what happened next as, quote, a rampage. So that's not good. Oh, good. Any officer who looked at him wrong was fired and sent back to the United States. Others were arrested, brought up on bullshit charges, and thrown in the brig. And of their own ships, sometimes for five months. In other cases, he would fire men and didn't send them back home, which for, would force them to remain on the ship where they were expected to work and they would not be paid. He effectively reinstituted slavery on the fly. Well, slavery is still legal at this point, but not in the Navy. So that's bad. Terrific. Like the secretary of the Navy just rubbing his temples like, wait, he enslaved his own crew. What is what is going on? Any deviation from any order that Wilkes got you at minimum a flogging. He was so like he was so demanding uh, that he ordered all outgoing mail to be delivered to him first. So he could be so it could be read to make sure you weren't sending it to the secretary of the Navy to shit talk him. Now, this included scientific reports, which he did not fully understand. Now, like he was insisting the guy who and this is not hyperbole. He was insisting the guy that was in charge of collecting sh- uh, seashells was plotting against him. <laughs> It was just like, okay. it, he's Why not, he's described sure. as a yep. conchologist, which is a rad title. <laughs> that is that is sweet. I do like that. 
uh, he had a, uh, there's like this weird detail as well that flogging was still legal in the Navy and the Marines who are department of the Navy were, were uh, forced to follow Naval regulations while they were on ships, but army regulations where flogging was illegal since 1812 while on land. So the Marines like, Hey, why don't we land for a bit? So nobody can legally beat us anymore. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Imagine being <laughs> sure to leave all the time. Imagine being so psychotic. The Marines are like, we got to get the fuck out of here. We're going to join the army. <laughs> Fucking incredible. Probably one of the funnier things that happened during this day on uh, Honolulu was that the ship's chaplain uh, cozied up to a local missionary's wife and fucked her. Uh, and this disgusted Wilkes remembers a deep man of God. And he uh, fired him and sent him back to the States. Now, eventually, the expedition went from Hawaii to Hawaii or Honolulu to Hawaii Island, commonly known as the Big Island, uh, where Wilkes stayed uh, to measure the island's gravitation uh, via a giant metal pendulum, which he had dragged up Mauna Kea Volcano. (laughs) No, he didn't drag it up. No, no, he did not. Some poor son of a bitch is doing it. He forced the crew and locals to do it, which is 14,000 feet, uh, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Also, a very revered place for Hawaiians, which you should not fuck with. And he's just like, Don't worry about I'm going to drag this giant pendulum up that motherfucker. How you guys feel? <laughs> fuck y'all. You know how I was saying fuck the Dutch? Middle fuck fingers up the entire time. <laughs> uh, he then ordered the peacock and the flying fish to go to the Gilbert Islands, which is about 1,800 miles away. Now, while they were there, one of their men went missing, probably kidnapped uh, and murdered. And uh, sure. Hudson, who was the second in command and put in command of this uh, mission, went to the local chief and be like, look, I don't know what he did. Maybe he fucked one of your women and that and, and that's a party foul. But like, could you give this guy back? Um, and, you know, probably with an added threat, like if you don't give him back, we will fuck you up. They were then attacked by 700 Islanders <laughs> armed, with, oh, armed with, quite honestly, the most metal fucking weapons in human history. One of these include a club that was spiked with shark's teeth around the edges like a sword. That seems that seems unnecessary. And the other was a spear tipped with stingray barbs, which I imagine is like the Lance of Longinus, but for, I don't know, Steve Irwin. <laughs> sure. Uh, like this, those are the coolest fucking weapons I've ever heard of. That is pretty, that is pretty sweet. Um, Hudson and his men ran the fuck away where they got back to the yeah, Navy. Yeah, I would too. Fair yeah, enough. Uh, they, they bombed the island, uh, sent a shore party where a large battle took place for virtually no reason. They never found the guy that went missing. Then they got on their boat and left. At this point, Wilkes had packed up and gone to the Pacific Northwest and the peacock immediately got stuck in a sandbar in the middle of the Columbia River because Wilkes was warned, you know, the peacock's kind of too big to go down a fucking river. Maybe don't do that. He didn't listen. It got stuck. The local native tribes were like, hey, you guys need some help and helped rescue the crew. <laughs> However, there the uh, peacock sat abandoned. They, uh-uh. they eventually uh, went down to Eureka, and uh, got a replacement named the Oregon. Uh, After this, they went down the California coast to survey San Francisco, which was then called something else, and it was part of the Mexican empire. However, this is considered quite a a dick move. You just don't show up off the coast of someone's waters, but like, hey, we're here to poke around a bit. Investigate. He wasn't supposed to go there. 
Uh, by the time Wilkes finally ordered the expedition to start making a trip back home, all of the good press that he had received, and, and he was championed quite a bit for kind of being a, a hero for discovering, quote, sure, sure. the continent of Antarctica. However, good for him, man. Ever since uh, the press had been deluged with stories about how he had lost his goddamn mind. Remember, yeah. this fleet was supposed to be home a fucking year ago, and in its place, all they're getting is like, "Yeah, he's uh, he's beating, kidnapping <sighs> I'm people, being kidnapped." Yeah. <laughs> he started two or three minor wars, kind of, sort of invaded Mexico, <laughs> said snacks. Now, one of the problems of sending so many officers home is, like I said, they can they can go tell the Secretary of the Navy that you've lost your mind. And that was all that was being reported now, is he'd lost his grip on reality. And uh, also, someone had told the press he was sailing around calling himself a Commodore and flying a Commodore's flag, which he was. And this is actually the thing that the Navy was most upset about, because they don't, yeah, they don't that, care about beating your like sailors. Navy. Yeah. That sounds like the name. There was also claims by John Outlook, who was the captain of the USS Yorktown, um, that Wilkes had lied about discovering Antarctica or the quote unquote continent of Antarctica. Um, now, he claimed that he had just found some frozen chunks of ice in the south and called it good. This was seconded by a British explorer named James Ross. Now, this seems to be a political hit job. There's no real debate that Wilkes did discover what he said he discovered. However, Outlook really fucking hated Wilkes well before he'd gotten command of the ship. And the British explorer probably didn't want to let an American claim this. So they teamed up to shit on Wilkes. But this also did get a little bit of purchase, but they wanted to make him seem crazy and stupid. So whatever. Sure. There's another funny side story here where they run into a a Boston-based fishing ship, uh, which brought with it like months and months of back newspapers, which is very common for the day. Um, to get caught up on news, and they published sure. naval news, uh, naval promotions in the newspaper at the time. And Wilkes assumed all of you know discovering the continent of Antarctica, he would definitely make captain. He didn't. I thought he did. He did not. Um, the Navy refused to promote him. But you know who did get promoted? Reynolds, who was on a ship. He made lieutenant. Finally, mm-hmm. he got his commission. <laughs> Good for him. And Reynolds at this point hated Wilkes so much. That he's yeah, I would. He too. circled the the paragraph of naval promotions where his name was not and gave it to him. <laughs> nice. Now, nice. That's petty. Finally, on June 9th, eighteen forty two, uh, the officially named United States Exploring Expedition, the USXX, docked back home, and Wilkes, probably knowing what was going to happen next, quickly passed command over to Hudson, struck his Commodore Mm. flag from the pole, jumped in a Mm. rowboat, and snuck ashore. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah, there was a huge shore party waiting for them, and he was nowhere near it. Now, before he bailed out, however, he made sure to go on a fucking klepto spree through through the entire fleet, stealing all of his fellow officers' journals and diaries because he wanted to make sure they had no evidence against him. Despite actually accomplishing quite a bit, nobody in the government fucking cared at this point. Remember, he had been gone an entire government administration period. Right, four years, right. The government of President John Tyler, future member of the Confederate House of Representatives, didn't exactly want to champion something ordered by someone else. Not to mention all of the stories of him... Uh, you know, being a tyrannical lunatic, calling himself a commodore mm-hmm. and flying uh, the American flag while making everybody look bad. Um, also, the secretary of the Navy at the time um, was 
one of his things that he wanted to do was get rid of abusive officers in the Navy, which oh, thanks, yeah, guy. he was a fucking uh, picture perfect example of that. So he had no allies in the government when he got back. Right. Okay. Now, when he got home, he felt that he was deeply snubbed. He had no glory. He wasn't treated like a hero. He so he went on a speaking tour doing something that oh, no. commissioned officers and people in the military just shouldn't do, namely shitting on the president and the secretary of the Navy. Uh, claiming that they were spreading rumors about him. Now, it quickly became clear that the government wouldn't be able to ignore him and because uh, they, mm-hmm. they really were just hoping he'd go away. Though, the Secretary of the Navy, Navy Abel Upshur, was working on charges against him for various reasons. This caused him to accelerate it. Because they, they even got like a screaming match one day, which is, right. you know, you're a lieutenant in the fucking Bad Navy. Luck. You do not get in a screaming match with the Secretary of the Navy. Um, now, remember, the name Abel Upshur might ring familiar. If you jump in a time machine, go back to our USS Monitor episode. Remember mm-hmm. the guy that got blown up because of a faulty cannon? That's him. Yep. Oh. <laughs> Same guy. Um, now, one of the things that Upshur wanted to do was normalize and streamline the Navy, making it a more professional service and mostly cracking down on officers who treated their ships like petty tyrants because that does hurt the Navy. Though he found that um, building a case against Wilkes was damn near impossible due to the fact that everyone had their journals stolen by the guy. There is no actual mm-hmm. evidence. No matter how many direct orders that Wilkes got to turn the journals over, he simply refused. Um, like at one point he said, well, I found some, I had mailed some back. They must've gotten lost. Despite the fact previous to that, he had told the secretary of the Navy, he's like, well, I'll release them as soon as the charges are dropped, <laughs> which is like, that's, that's fucking enough. blackmail. <laughs> Um, now, he was eventually court-martialed and charged with over 10 different crimes. Um, charges included the deaths of 28 of his men, systemic abuse of the men who he didn't kill, and losing several of his ships with no good reason. Yeah. Throughout the trial, virtually every single one of his, sh- uh, every single one of his men on every single one of his ships testified against him. Virtually nobody testified for him. Um, yeah, I wonder why. Yeah. Uh, now, unfortunately, the, this whole case kind of went the the way of the day, which is like, well, he's an officer and a gentleman. These are all problems, sure, but none of these are crimes. This has all been happened administratively, not with a court martial. And like, even admirals in the in the uh, navy were like, this seems like a bit much, which is insane when you think about what he did, right? Yeah, he was not found guilty of a single charge other than beating his sailors a bit too many times, and God with the it, punishment dude. of. Don't do that again. <laughs> a year later, Upshur got man. blown up. Coincidence? Yeah, but, you know. Nope. Yeah. It's the cabal, <laughs> Joe. It's the Wilkes-based cabal. Now, Wilkes spent the next 20 years working obsessively on his final report of the expedition, only for it to be interrupted by the Civil War, where he somehow was given another naval command and oh, you got to stop doing that. He honestly, he committed so many goddamn crimes this time around. It almost makes the expedition look kind of like a warm up. He w- he was stationed in the West Indies, and he created seriously like a dozen international incidents to include accidentally blockading a Dutch colony, which again is an act of oh, war. Wow. <laughs> Don't do that. Also, he same thing with the French. He was court martialed again. Uh, and he was suspended from the service for three years, which is a punishment they used to give out quite 
uh, quite commonly and was revised down to right. one by Lincoln personally. Um, now he eventually retired largely bankrupted and returned to his property in North Carolina, where he obsessively worked on his autobiography, locking himself in a way to his point that his memoirs were little more than the paranoid ravings of a man band. And he died in 1877. Sounds about right. In the end, this insane expedition slash mass kidnapping of naval personnel killed 28 men um, of at least 28 men within the American Navy, the vast majority of which were easily avoidable accidents and diseases. Very few people died in combat. One guy even died of alcohol withdrawals. <laughs> Though they killed literally hundreds of people throughout the Pacific Islands, and uh, they're all they're all monsters. Pretty much nobody remembers him for the things that he thought he'd go down in history for. However, he is immortalized for being the psychopathic inspiration for Herman Melville's Captain Ahab from Moby Dick. So yep. congrats. Oh, there also is a school in Washington State on Bainbridge Island named after him. And maybe it shouldn't be. <laughs> maybe rename that no. motherfucker. Change the name. Change the name, boys. That's uh, that's the USXX. USX. Like I said, like, it sounds like Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon's football league, right? Like the yeah. Um, now, Liam, we have a thing on the show called Questions from the Legion. If you'd like to ask us a question from Legion, donate to the show. Uh, slide into our Patreon inbox, which many people have done. Ask us a question. We will get to it, hopefully, at some point. Or add it to the massive thread that we also picked from that's also on our Patreon. Um, today's question is, here's my question from the Legion today, but with a bit of a backstory. I was born in 1999, and the oldest person I ever spoke to was born in 1907, uh, well over 115 years ago now. Who is the oldest person you have ev- you've ever had the privilege of knowing and speaking to? And what did they get to experience over their long life? Also, shout out from Flint, Michigan, fellow Michigander. Apologies from being from Michigan. Uh, <laughs> Liam, who's the, 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 the oldest person you've ever got to know? The oldest person I ever knew had been born in 1900. Uh, they were my next door neighbor when I was a kid. The shout out to the Lauxes, Lauxes, who I assume are long dead by now. Uh, but yeah, it was kind of cool to like this guy had, you know, grown up. Basically, he remembered his dad coming home with a Model T. That's cool. And then also like remembered like his grandkids buying him a laptop for his birthday in like 95. Like that that's sick. Um remembered like the man on the moon all that stuff. The oldest person I spoke to is my great-grandfather. Um very I mean I don't have many memories of him, mind you. I was very young. I'm not that old. I'm only 34. Um Right. Is my my dad's dad's dad on my dad's side. Um he survived the Armenian genocide, fought with the Russians against the Turks in World War One. Um, I, I wish I had more memories of him um, because I was a literal child. But yeah, I mean, just hearing about his life is like, not, not to mention, like this guy went from running from his village, being murdered on horseback by like janissaries almost to right true. living to see the internet invented <laughs> you know it's a wild yeah, that's fucking pretty wild um i mean the man uh, outlived like multiple empires unions and the like yeah, it's the crazy life it sucks that his son was such a piece of shit <laughs> well you're not that bad Joe. I, I, me- I love you very i much. meant my grandfather not me yeah i know but i love you very much um anyway liam thank you for joining me you're welcome. on this 
naval based episode. I, I actually we have a bit of a theme going forward for the next couple of weeks of insane naval commanders. Uh, we could we could we could not emphasize enough to not kidnap and beat your crew. Yeah, a mass kidnapping is generally bad. And if you like what we do here on the show, consider supporting us on Patreon. Even a dollar gets you bonus stuff. Um, if you don't want to support us, cool. Um, my, do what you do with your money. But you do want to support us. Well, leaving a review, review is, is free. free. And it helps us with algorithmic-based reasons for re- and that I do not understand. Internet stuff. Anyway, leave us a review. And if it's funny, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it. Like the last guy who said that. You wouldn't expect a show hosted by a genocide scholar to, to be this funny <laughs> or be this this lighthearted. Uh, but here we are. Everybody, thank you again. And I guess until next time, don't do anything that happened here. No, totally avoid it.